Hello, hello, hello. This is Rocket from Russia, and this is Propagandi.
Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to the radio station CITR. Uh, this program, which is will be here on the air till 12 p.m., is called Rocket from Russia. Uh, the frequency is uh, weekly, and uh, the reason I do it because I play here punk rock songs on uh, this specific radio station called CITR. And this show is not pre-recorded; it is live. So if I make a mistake live on air, it's gonna be not intentional. It's gonna be just a happy accident. Uh, today's episode will be fully uh, based and um, surrounded around uh, an event uh, which is happening at the Biltmore Cabaret next Wednesday, which is August 17th. Rocket from Russia and the Biltmore Cabaret present a movie about a fat rack. Uh, this is a punkumentary. This is a movie about uh, my favorite record of all time and, um, in some opinions, uh, the best punk rock label ever existed. Uh, could be. Could be. Well, could be. So, uh, today on the show, uh, I will play two interviews. One with Erin. Uh, she is uh, the 50%. I don't know it's 50%. She's the other person uh, in charge of fat records. Uh, the other person in charge is Fat Mike of the band called No Effects. And Erin, uh, she is also uh, one of the owners, one of the um, core, how you call it, uh, the people who came up with the label. And for the past 25 years, they've been extremely successful. And I um, uh, interviewed her yesterday, and we'll hear that. And then in the end of the show, we'll talk to Limo. Uh, Limo, remember that Limo from Scotland? So yeah, Limo, he uh, will call in, and he also will talk about his... Uh, he's been with NoFax. He, he worked for NoFax for over 20 years and has been around the label for over uh, 20 years as well. Uh, I saw already the movie. It is great. It is fantastic. I'm very excited that uh, we're able to bring it to Vancouver and show it to the, all the punk rock fans. And it's it's gonna be great. It is gonna be great. Um, it's a, it's 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 a fantastic movie. If you like movies about punk rock, if you like punk rock, you should check it out next Wednesday at the uh, Biltmore Cabaret. But to get you excited and get you in the fat vibe, how about we listen to a few hits from uh, Fat Records and let's start with No Facts, my favorite band of all time. Let's start with the song called Green Corn. We'll hear a few hits uh, a little bit and then we'll listen to my interview with Aaron. You listen to Rocket from Russia. This is a special edition, a fat track punkumentary and this is No Facts Green Corn.
Hey, this is Joey Cape from Lagwagon, and you're listening to The Rocket from Russia on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, BC, Canada. You really want me to say British Columbia, Canada? <laughs> I, think, I think they're going to know where it's from, right, if I say Vancouver? Cried herself to 
Hello, hello, you're listening to the radio station CITR, and this is weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. Today's episode of Rocket from Russia is fully focused on an upcoming screening of the movie called A Fat Wreck, which will happen at the Biltmore Cabaret on August and the 17th, that is Wednesday next week. Uh, this is a great documentary about one of the best punk rock record labels in the world, uh, Fat Wreck Courts, and um, yes, I'm very excited uh, that... Um, we in Vancouver will be able to uh, see the movie. Uh, we heard just three, just to get things started, there were three super hits from uh, earlier Fat releases. The opening uh, track was by No Effects, that was Green Court of Ripped. Then we heard Lag Wagon with a song called Island of Shame. And then we heard No Use for a Name that Justified Black Eye. All right, my friends, let's move on to the first part of my interview with Aaron. Aaron, she is the other person in charge of Fat Rack Courts. It is. Um, for, for me, it was a pretty cool experience to talk to her yesterday. We talked over uh, Skype, and that's why, you, you know, maybe they, it will sound a little bit weird because, you know, when you're on Skype, it sounds a little bit um, delayed or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, it's extremely, like, for me, it was an honor to talk to her, and uh, I think the conversation turned out a little bit uh, pretty interesting. Uh, there will be two parts in the first part of the interview, which we hear right now. We talked about the movie at Fat Rack. Let's do it. Uh, this is my interview with Aaron of Fat Rack Court and we talked about a movie, A Fat Rack. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much uh, for finding time to talk to me, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Uh, I know that Sean and his team had a complete freedom on how the movie about Fat Rack would look like, but when you first, uh, that the, the movie about your label is being produced, how did you want it to look like? Were there any things that you wanted to, to make sure that they're covered? Uh, well, to be honest, I was... A little in shock that somebody actually wanted to make a film about us. <laughs> it made me pretty nervous because I felt like I hadn't really ever thought about telling our story. No one had ever really approached us about telling our story. And there was a little part of me that was maybe a bit protective because I felt like, oh, wait, this is our story to tell. Shouldn't we be the ones to tell it? But then after I met Sean and I realized he's just this huge Fat Records fan and everything he was doing came out of this you know, appreciation for what Mike and I have done and the bands that we've helped along the way and this community and this family that we've built, then I realized, oh, he just really wants to do a fan-based film. So then I kind of thought, well, I want to help him, but I also don't, I don't want to direct it. I don't want to lead it. I want it to be the film that whatever his vision is as a Fat Records fan, I wanted that to be the vision that he went with. So to be honest, we tried to be very hands-off. We provided him with contact information, and we introduced him to you know our bands along the way and definitely gave him access to, to all of the information. But for the most part, this is all Sean. We didn't really have a lot to do with it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked to him. He expressed exactly the same. He said that you were totally hands off and it was all his. You just helped with the context and the organization of a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, you were at the premiere in San Francisco. What did you like about the, the final version of the movie? Uh, could you please highlight a few things which you think uh, Sean did a great job of? I think he did an amazing job of capturing, and I and I hate to use this word because I feel like it's kind of a cliche, but I can't stay away from it. I have to use the word family because this, you know, this whole label was built because Mike and I had a family together, and we built a, a community of our closest friends who, because Mike is a musician, a lot of them happen to be musicians, and that family just sort of carried over. Um, all along the way, and I and I was really impressed with how I think Sean really captured what it what it maybe I mean I don't know because this is my life and I don't know how to step outside of it so I don't know what everybody else's perspective is, but I do feel that when you become a band on Fat Records it's not just you know it's not a business I mean it's it really is a community and it's it's you know i've said it before but i'll say it again these people are my closest friends and we have children together and our children play together and i feel like that was really captured in the film and as well i did like the fact that he showed as much as he could uh mike and i in our early years sort of how we were just sort of fumbling around and didn't mike always had a vision but i was a, a bit more skeptical of like i kind of feel like maybe we don't really know what we're doing but Let's try. We're smart people. We can figure this out. We're we're punks. We're DIY. This is how you do it. So um, I feel like that was really captured as well, and that and just a real true sense of what it was like over the last 25 years to just be, you know, Mike and I in college and how we met and how it just like all started in in our in our kitchen, and then gradually just sort of evolved and it wasn't really ever. A business plan. It wasn't ever that we like had a conversation and went, we're going to make a living doing this because I surely never thought that we would. And obviously I'm pleasantly surprised that 25 years later, we're still able to do that. But it made me happy, obviously, especially because of the changes that have taken place in all of our families. You know, Mike and I not being together anymore, but still running the label together. That's a big thing. You know, that's not, it's not easy to do. But it matters, and that, and I think that sense of community and that sense of family was really portrayed in the film. And for that, I'm really grateful to Sean. I think he did a good job. Uh, was there anything that maybe you didn't like, or you felt like something wasn't covered fully, or something was missed in the movie? I don't know that I would say anything was missed. Um, I do feel like there could have been a little bit more uh, attention paid to the people that we've lost along the way. Um, I feel like there maybe should have been a little bit more about Tony Sly and maybe a little bit more about Jim Cherry. That stuff was captured for sure. Um, but I feel, again, I have to come back to that word family. I don't, I'm not sure that the impact is felt genuinely in the film, um, how strongly it impacts our life and not our business. I'm talking about just, you know, our daily life. Like my daughter, Darla, Mike's and my daughter, Darla, one of her very best friends on the planet is Fiona Sly. And so they have this this bond together. And so when something like this happens, it's not just um, it's not just something that affects how we run our business. It affects everything we do in our life. And I feel like maybe there should have been a little bit because there have been a lot of them people that have passed. You know, 25 years in this industry, that's it happens. So 
I feel like maybe there should be a little bit something added in memoriam for all of the people that we've lost along the way. Um, and, and also I feel like it, it was uh, definitely focused sort of on the first maybe, you know, 10 bands that would be signed. But, but I get that because we, you know, it's 25 years. There's a lot of history to cover. So I can't expect, a, you know, a, a film to actually capture all of that. I want, I, and I'm not sure, but I do wonder sometimes if maybe some of our bands that were signed a little bit later on feel like, oh, wait, how come I'm not part of that? I've not actually heard that feedback, but I suppose it's possible. Um, but, you know, it's, no one wants to sit there for a six-hour documentary. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody's that interested in it. Like, six hours is a really long time. So I, I feel like Sean did great with the amount of time. That he had and he captured our early years and i think that's probably what the film was about was sort of how it all started mm -hmm. and also then capturing the fact that we're still here but really focusing on how you know 25 years ago how it all went down and how we managed to still be relevant come on e, try to go easy we can do anything 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 come on e. Hello, hello, you're listening to the radio station CITR. This is weekly punk rock radio uh, show, uh, which is called Rocket from Russia. And today's episode of the show is focused on a documentary about the Fat Rack Courts, the record label, which is called the Fat Rack, and which will be presented and screened to you uh, at the Biltmore Cabaret on next Wednesday, August 17th. I will start my first part of my conversation with Aaron. Aaron is the co-owner and uh, another person uh, along with Fat Mike uh, in charge of uh, this magnificent record label. 
uh, let's listen to the second part of our conversation. Uh, we talked a little bit more uh, about uh, the actual the running of record label. Erin touched on a pretty, I assume, um, not very easy topic to talk to about because they used to have a family together with Mike. They're not together anymore, but at the same time, they are running a business together, and she touched uh, about that. So it was very, very interesting, and a couple of other um, things about Fat Track. Uh, let's do it. Uh, this is my second part of conversation with Aaron, uh, the owner of Fat Rack Courts. You're listening to Rocket from Russia. Uh, from watching the movie, I learned that usually it works like this. Mike comes up with a brilliant idea, and your job is to try to implement this brilliant idea and bring it to life. <laughs> is this yeah, how it usually is? Yeah, or talk him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, I would say that in all of our 25 years of doing business together, Mike is the creative energy, and he's the creative force, and, you know, he's essentially the talent. But I'm the one that keeps us grounded. I'm the one that keeps our family together, and I'm the one that makes sure that the decisions and the ideas that he has are actually going to be able to be, that we can make them a reality, you know, because he definitely is the idea person, and he gets these really crazy ideas, and sometimes they're great, for sure, but other times they're insane, and I have to, like, explain to him why that's not really how all of this works, <laughs> come back down to reality, but you need that, and I've often said in interviews before, I think that's why, I think that's why we've been able to still make it work after all these years, and especially having changed in our personal life, our relationship, still being able to work great as business partners, because that was always the driving force. There was always a balance. He was always a risk taker, and I was always more cautious, and I was the one who was really thinking of things from a sort of practical side, and he was just the guy that was off in the clouds going, this is my great idea, let's do it. And I'd be like, this doesn't really work. <laughs> and here's why. And that, But you need that balance. And that I, I think that's really, you know, sort of a key to why we're still here. Yeah. Uh, can you please maybe, if you if you can, uh, give me an example of a crazy idea which you were completely blown away and which is like you knew oh, this, is, this is crazy? Well, I, I can't give you an example. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head that failed. But I would... You know, when he decided that he wanted to do this whole campaign against Bush, I thought it was kind of insane, that he wanted to put together a whole entire tour, and he was going to go across the country, and he was going to do this this compilation, and it was, you know, and that this was going to be able to have an impact. I honestly was surprised at how relevant that actually was and the fact that we got national coverage and they actually got like tv spots and radio spots and the amount of impact that actually did have on changing any one something you know the new the new up-and-coming voters um you know things like that because when he pitches stuff he's just crazy up in the sky but that you know sometimes it works and you know, that was something that i didn't have a lot to do with because i kind of thought he was going often area that we wouldn't be able to make a, a, an impact and I was wrong so sometimes I'm wrong <laughs> um, speaking of Mike's brilliant ideas and your implementation I saw the movie for the first time in San Francisco on the twi 25th year anniversary of Fat Track first of all thank you so much for this uh, weekend it was unbelievable for real I'm a massive fan it was it was just unbelievable thank you so much for that. oh thank you I'm, that makes me really happy to hear because that weekend specifically i mean the whole tour obviously but specifically that weekend in san francisco was a really big deal for us it was really special and to have all of those bands come together and be able to do like a multiple day celebration in san francisco it meant a lot to us as well and i'm glad it meant a lot to the fans yeah 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 
Um, I heard the expression, and you used it, uh, the word family, and but that was the first time when I experienced and was, you know, noticed that um, the relation, the family relationship between the, the bands, the fans, and like you said, the family members. How how does it work that Fat works as a family? Does that come from you and Mike? That the way you just talk, uh, deal with bands and with everybody else, or is it the community more thing? I think it's both. I think um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that because Mike is in a band himself, he understands things from both the label perspective and the band member perspective. And so he understands what's fair, what's not fair, and how it feels to be sitting on the other side because they were on Epitaph for a number of years before they came over to Fat. So he had an experience of being in a band that was on a label that he did not control and what that meant um, and aside from that, I feel like it's just uh, it, Mike and I sort of had a vi- had very small actual family ties. I'm somewhat estranged from my family. Both of his parents have passed away, and so we sort of grew up and had this attitude. It's not family isn't necessarily about blood. It's about it's it's your chosen family. It's what you make of it. And so growing up in, 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 you know, coming up in the college years in San Francisco and starting our family together, all of these people that we became bonded with became our chosen family. And when you feel, when you think about a business model from a perspective of a person that you genuinely care about, you want what's best for them. You want them to succeed. It's not, it's not a business model that's all about us. It's a business model about we as a community and how can we do better. And I just feel like, you know, Mike and I have both, all along the way, tried to just treat our bands like we want to be treated. I just don't want every, I don't want, I I mean, the last thing I would ever want is anyone to ever walk away from an interaction and feel like they weren't listened to, they weren't taken, you know, they, they, and, or that in any way, shape or form that the business model was about us and not about them and all of us. If that makes any sense. It does. It does. It does make sense. <laughs> and I witnessed that uh, at, at, at the celebration and uh, the moment when the no use in France and when I think was it Tony's family? I said yeah. his parents. Oh, that was so touching. Yeah. And like I just imagine like you know I don't have kids but like I imagine seeing so many people singing along uh, the songs of your child. I think that was just breathtaking. Like it. Uh, I think it is. Thank you for that. And it makes me so happy that, you know, Joey Cape's little girl, Violet, and my daughter, Darla, and Tony's daughter, Fiona, that they all hang out together. Last week, Fiona and Darla went to a rock camp. So, you know, it's summertime, they're out of school, so they go to these camps. And last week, they both went to a rock camp in San Jose. And Darla came home, and she was telling me about the camp counselor and how the camp counselor figured out who they were and was a Fat Records fan and was totally blown away that Fat Mike's daughter and Tony Sly's daughter were actually going to rock camp together and, like, performing songs. Like, that kind of stuff makes me really happy. You know, I feel like that's the next generation, and it, and it really makes this sense of community and what we're doing real, and it makes it worth it, you know? Fat Rack has an extremely strong roster of bands, but were there any bands which you really wanted to sign but you weren't able or didn't work out? <laughs> you know what's so funny is I've been asked this question numerous times, and as has Mike, and I compared our answers, and there's one band that we said all along, 
was Alkaline Trio. We, I, I, it makes me sad that we never did anything with Matt Skiba because he's a, he's a dear friend of ours. Mike's very close with him. I'm very close with him, and I love Alkaline Trio. We had opportunities along the way, and they sort of we missed them a little bit. And that band and the Lillingtons, I really want a Lillingtons record. Maybe. And those are and the, and Mike and I are both in agreement about that. We, those were bands that sort of just like got away where we had some opportunities and then we just kind of like weren't you know weren't quite on the ball enough. And those are two bands that I would really like to work with in the future. Wow, well, that's a good good choice. <laughs> Um, I work as a financial planner and I talk a lot to business owners. Most of them think about business succession and usually the main idea is to sell or pass the business to their kids, to their partners and to pay as little taxes as possible. <laughs> right? And you have even tougher situation because in addition to that you have a wonderful catalog of art and music which needs to be accessed for the future generations and which will yeah. be uh, worth it. Have you thought about that? Um, What's the thought process uh, in terms of, you know, when you're ready to step down and... I don't, I won't ever sell my bands out, ever. I mean, I'm still here because I love my band so much. There was, uh, again, I don't want to keep harping on it, but there was, it, there were a number of years where it was difficult when Mike and I were going through a divorce. It was absolutely positively not easy for us to maintain the business, and that took a lot of... Um, effort on both of our parts and the reason that we were able to make that work is our mutual love of our bands and also our daughter so obviously you know but my point is i have way too much respect and appreciation and gratitude to my bands for allowing us to be part of their journey and for allowing fat records to be you know as as relevant as we have been for the last 25 years i would i don't I don't have a succession plan because I don't ever want to step down. <laughs> I don't ever want to step away from it. And my daughter is 11. And when I talk to her about what does fat records, fat records mean to you, she's like, well, I don't want to do what you and daddy do. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun to me. I'm going to be, you know, she is definitely involved in the music part. She does musical theater, but she's more interested in like, you know, running a veterinary hospital or something or rescuing animals than she is at all about ever, you know, running fat records. So I, I, all I'm going to say is we're still young <laughs> at heart, at least. <laughs> and I don't, I would, I very much would like to just keep fat records going, you know, as long as, as long as we're still, as long as bands are still interested, as long as fans are still buying the music, and as long as we can still make our business model work for us. And luckily we've been blessed with that then we're still here. Thank you so much for your time. This is this is amazing. Um, thank you so much for all the job you do, for everything you do, for all the fans, for all the fans. It means a lot to us. Thank you for giving us all this amazing feelings and amazing uh, moments that you help us. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate everything. That was my interview with um, Erin, uh, she is in charge of uh, Fat Rack Chords, and um, for me it was great, great opportunity to talk to her, to her. this, that was uh, fantastic. Uh, let's do this, I have another uh, caller on the line, uh, and I'm very, very excited to talk to him, but before we do this, how about we we'll listen to this little segment.
Remember that? That was Lemo from Scotland, uh, from the no uh, from the theme from the No Effects album. Lemo, who he used to work for um, No Effects for all, almost quarter of a century, so he definitely knows uh, everything about Fat. And I asked him to call in and to talk a little bit about his relationship and his experience being on Fat Records. Lemo, my friend, thank you so much for finding time to talk to me, and welcome to the show. Oh, it's no problem, Tim. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Yeah, me too, me too. Welcome back to the show. This is the second time. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, you, Like I said, you worked for almost a quarter of a century. You work uh, with no effects and obviously you've been around fat. Could you please tell experience? Why do you think what makes this label so special? Because I witnessed, I went to see it in San Francisco 25th year anniversary and there's a definite sense of family and community which I don't think exists for other uh, record labels. Yeah, definitely. Fat records, like everything, it was... It was very uh, family, casual business. <clears throat> everybody, everybody felt really uh, a part of a team, a part of something bigger than just the record label. So, the artists, because of that, you know, people were in there. They could do what they wanted to do in in a work-wise sense, <clears throat> but also they could, you know, put their passion of punk rock to, behind the bands. And so, it, it, I think everybody benefited from it. And you know, Mike and Aaron were, they were excellent to everybody that worked there. Uh, the the vibe at the at Fat Records every time I went there was always fantastic. It was always good to go there. They were always happy to see us. It was it was a, it was a very it was a magical time because that was when independent records could still you know they could we were still selling records you know so there there was jobs there for people and, and things to do. Yeah, yeah, that was a fantastic time, and that's uh, uh, captured in the movie. And uh, also, uh, one of the things which is captured in the movie is that everybody, everybody in the movie says, uh, from you know, from the business perspective, that uh, Mike and Eddie treated everybody else extremely fair. You work with them, and you're obviously, you know, like you work for them. Uh, could you please also tell your experience? Obviously, it was, I assume, it was extremely fair for you as well. But how was that all organized? Oh, I thought. Looking back at it now, you know, uh, Mike and Aaron used to take care of the staff so well. You know, there was they'd go for lunches. That you know, there was team building stuff with before that was even a term. Team building, you know, they they would take them out. There was holidays. Everybody got treated with respect, and and there were such generous people as bosses. You know, they were they were doing well, and and it, it trickled down. You know, and everybody everybody did well that very i never i never saw a disgruntled person there you know there's they would do trips with their staff and you know plan events and bowling and and baseball games so many so many good times and luckily enough because i you know i worked for no effects i was able to come and and be part of that and it was it was wonderful right and uh, you know i don't think that that happens i've i've seen other artists and other labels and even other independent labels it never has the same vibe you know and you know, and the place it was magical, right? They had the, they bought that old uh, building from the the bus people or the train people mm -hmm. on Folsom, and and the building itself was amazing. <clears throat> the stories that came out of there, you know, Spike from from the Gimme Gimmies, he's he's in the mailroom, and then they discover that he has the the most amazing voice, and then the <laughs> next thing you know, we have Spike, you know, and so many people used Fat Records as a stepping stone, and I don't think anybody was ever blocked from anything. I think anything anybody wanted to do, they were always encouraged and. And, and supported and everything. And even towards the bitter end, I, I know that when, you know, the, the, the industry changed, the dynamic of the industry changed. Record labels were no longer allowed to operate the same. Once people stopped selling units and, and people knew the writing was on the wall, but, you know, Mike kept fat open as, as long as he could. Same thing as, as he did with, you know, fat Australia and fat Europe and fat Canada. 
he he took a hit. He took a hit for years before he could finally like pull the trigger and do what had to be done. And and I I know from personal experience because I was with him when he was going through it. It wasn't an easy time for either him or Aaron because it wasn't just a business. You know, these people were their family. You know, and and everybody had that sort of vibe. So when it came time for the for the restructuring of the business, which was inevitable because of how everything changed, it was it wasn't easy for for Aaron it wasn't easy for Mike you know and you know and and people people understood that so it was it was a sad time but before that it was such such great great times for everybody that worked there and just me coming in as a guy who worked for the band the you know the feeling of you know I felt like I was the uncle coming home at Christmas you know everybody was was just it was amazing you know Floyd in the back and and Eileen and everybody around you know Brian Archer all my people there. There's it's such a, such a great time. Yeah, exactly. Like you 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 mentioned the, the you know the sense of family in treating the band's fair. That's what Erin talked about. She said there like and you said like that Mike had to take a personal hit like financially, but just to keep uh, the band's working, helping them out, and just you know just just really to do what this fat does. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know all the bands benefited from it too because the employees were so well treated and they liked their job so much. You know they. T- they they really owned what they did, you know. And when the, when a record came out and it had to it had to be worked, people weren't hiding from their work or shirking. People and people's input was valued, you know. Like if if somebody had a different idea to think outside the box and to get something going and get something that was going to help the band to move to get out to more kids, you know, that's the um, the staff would do everything they could. And, and Mike and Aaron were always behind that. And innovative, and it was also a place where you know people before it was it was cool to bring your dogs to work. If people had dogs, they, you know people brought dogs. It was, it had that that casual sort of thing. If you were taking care of your end of stuff, you know you you were given uh, you're given a fairly fairly large amount of rope. So I think it was it was it was a pretty special place. I can't think of a, another label that would really operated the same way. Yeah, just like a little my personal example. Uh, no effects papers came out uh, a few years ago, and I didn't manage to get them. I got one as the, uh, as I think it was attached to a backstage passport or something. And then I ran out, and then I um, asked uh, Pat, who does the mail order right now. He we're, we're good friends, and he I just asked, are they, are they do they still exist? And without even anything, he just brought me a new pack uh, when I saw him at Fest. I didn't ask for it. He just he just he just out of goodwill, and he knows that I'm a fan of No Effects. He just you know. This is for you, my friend. That was crazy. Yeah, Pat's, Pat's an awesome guy. I'm still in touch with him all the time. He's one of the people that managed to, like, a few people managed to stay on. They, You know, as it is, they they have to, they really had to cut it down to the bare-bones minimum. And, you know, and the people that they kept on, it's, it's still, even even now, Pat's changed. It's, it's a lot smaller, but it's still, you know, there's there's a level of caring and, and, the, and the people that work there. You know, they, they love their jobs, and why why wouldn't they, you know? They have, they have the best bosses ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last year, you finished your, uh, you know, the era of uh, working for NoFX. Could you please tell a little bit what's going on in your life right now? Because I know there's a couple of exciting things happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I decided I need to get off the road and spend a little bit more time with my family and my wife. And uh, so it's now that I got some more time at home, I've, I've, I started a little band, a little power trio. We're playing like 90s-style skate punk. We're called Modern Terror. We're actually opening up for SNFU on August 20th at the venue. We did a, we've just done a live recording. We were live. Uh, we played at the SBC, which is the new Smiling Buddha Cabaret, and we were lucky enough to record it. And uh, we're hoping to put that out on a 
on a, a cassette or on our own. Skull Skate said they might take care of it for us, so hopefully we'll be able to do that. And nice. for me personally, I've moved on to uh, decided uh, I'm going to become a barber. So I'm in school right now and be out probably in the uh, end of November. I'll be finished my school, but I'll be cutting before then. So if anybody ends up on the Sunshine Coast, they can come see me at Seashell Barbers. I'll be operating the Razor's Edge. I'll be doing hot shaves and some, you know, some classic cuts. So if anybody's interested and wants to hear a couple of stories that I wouldn't be able to tell on the radio, <laughs> they, can, they can they can come sit in my chair and I can I can fill their ear with uh, some some no effects trivia. <laughs> I'm just going to Sunshine Coast just for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also there's you know there's a couple of nice cafes and the beach isn't too bad either. So. It'll be worth your while. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for finding time to talk to me. I know that you have a very, very busy day. There's there's something happening in the back. Yeah, yeah. I'm just outside right now. I, I finished up one client, and I, now I have another one waiting. So trying to keep busy, trying to learn a new trade. It's a little bit different from sound, but it's okay. <laughs> Good luck with everything. Good luck with Modern Terran. I'll, I'll see you opening for SNFU on August 20th, and good luck with the new project. I really wish you success, and uh, you're a great person. Oh, thanks a lot, Tim. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I really enjoyed seeing you when we were, saw the Flatliners over at the Cobalt. Yeah, yeah. You're always like a big Russian ray of sunshine, that's for sure. Thanks. And, uh, I, and I appreciate the shout-outs, and tell all you guys in Radioland, you know, keep the faith. Punk rock's still alive and well, and everybody everybody who listens to it, that's what keeps it going. So Wonderful. Thank you so much. Like Thank right. you. Thank you. Have a good one. Spicy bowl. <laughs> Super. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay, ciao. That was Lima of NoFX Tim and uh, Modern Terror right now. That's that's his new band. Like he said, you can uh, see them play opening for SNFU August 20th at the venue. And I saw them opening for the um, the Flatliners in June. They were great. It's like exactly 90s skate punk and uh, Lima plays drums and uh, there's a guitarist and bassist. So yeah, um, this is going to be exciting. Uh, this is it. This is it what I have prepared for you today. Thank you so much uh, for listening. I hope that was an um, interesting uh, episode for you. Uh, for me, definitely was. Uh, you know, as you know, if you're a regular listener of the show, you probably know that I'm a massive fan of Fat Records, and my favorite band of all time is No Facts. So, yeah. Um, to me, to me, that was a great, uh, and I'm very happy that uh, we will be able to see a fat track, uh, the movie about uh, fat track. Because, like I said, if you're a fan, if you like, if you're not even a fan of fat track, if you just like punk rock and if you like movies about music, go check it out. It's really, it's a good movie. It is a good movie, and um, I'm sure you will like it. Uh, like I said, this movie will be screened at the Biltmore Cabaret on Wednesday, August 17th. Uh, the doors are at seven o'clock, and uh, we're working on adding some sort of um, entertainment we will have greg who is in, was involved with the movie and he will do a little q a after the show and uh, we'll try to add a couple of other exciting things uh to make this event uh, special um thank you so much for listening that was rocket from russia um my name is russian tim and if you like uh what you heard you can check out the podcast on citr.ca you can also find uh, the page on, on Facebook and there are some other episodes of the show. Uh, you can subscribe um, automatically through iTunes and I think Stitcher even. And um, I have a blog, rocketfromrussia.tumblr.com. I um, have a list of upcoming shows in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I also have uh, all the past interviews and all the past episodes of this 
radio program. Thank you so much again for listening. And in order to wrap this up in style, how about we listen to another great song by No Effects? Um, let's go just for a hit, for a super hit. How about that? The song is called Bob. Thank you so much for listening. See you next Wednesday at the Biltmore Cabaret at the screening of A Fat Rack, the movie about Fat Records. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Uh, summer is kind of here, and this is going to be great. Thank you so much. This is No Facts, Bob. You spent 15 years getting loaded. 15 years till his liver exploded. Now it's Bob going to do now that he can't drink. The doctor said, what you been thinking about? Bob said, that's the point. I won't think about nothing. Now I gotta do something else. Hard, hard, hard. the time and someone shaving. Then he got a new identity. 62 old and cushion boots. And a girl who rides a scooter to take him out of town. They would get away. Riding around. As the trucks drive by, you can hear the motherfuckers go. Situation, but why can't they see? Friday's just a 